0: You are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: The shutdown has ended. Donald Trump has agreed to fund the government for at least a few weeks. Where does this leave the debate over a barrier at our southern border? And also, Roger Stone arrested in a pre-dawn raid. The uh, dapper former Trump confidant is somebody that's going to be getting a lot of attention for possible ties to WikiLeaks and Disclosures and the Mueller Probe and oh so much more. That's all coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This, this is The Buck Sexton, Sexton, Sexton Show.
2: Where the mission, where mission is to decode what really matters
0: with actionable intelligence.
2: Russia. One small thing. Make. make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate.
2: Former CIA analyst.
0: Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
3: It is Buck Sexton. Now.
2: In a short while, I will sign a bill to open our government for three weeks until February 15th. I will make sure that all employees receive their back pay very quickly or as soon as possible. It'll happen fast. I am asking Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to put this proposal on the floor immediately. After 36 days of spirited debate and dialogue, I have seen and heard from enough Democrats and Republicans that they are willing to put partisanship aside. Welcome to the Buck Saxton
1: Show on this uh, somewhat lovely Friday. There you heard it. The government is getting reopened president has agreed to a deal that reopens the government they're going to try to get back pay and future pay to federal government uh, employees and no wall funds no wall funds now i understand that there are some there are some folks that are are, are really upset about this and they may they may be right i don't do the i know everything on radio routine there's some people that pretend to be almost omniscient and all-knowing that's their shtick you could say I know a fair amount of stuff I don't have the answers to everything and I certainly would never pretend to have the answers to everything uh is this is this the right move for Trump here maybe and let me explain why am I concerned that sure enough when it comes to political will when it comes to having The ability to stick together so that so that your side wins. Democrats beat Republicans, just like I always think they're going to. Yeah, of course. Of course, that surprises me. Of course, I've got a problem with that Um, or rather doesn't surprise me. And I I, uh, pardon me. and, And I am bothered by it. But here's how this might be okay. Here's how I see this as perhaps not the, uh, the surrender that some, um, I know a lot of people are already, uh, and well, let me, let me tell, you, what does Ann Colder said on this one? She says that, uh, this is basically the wimpiest thing a Republican has done since George HW Bush or something like that. Uh, so I, he, he, the biggest wimp, okay, here, here's what ends. Oh my gosh. Here's what ends says. Uh, good news for George Herbert Walker Bush as of today he's no longer the biggest wimp ever to serve as President of the United States. Man and is not messing around on this wall thing. Here's the way this works out. And I, I, I don't know if it will. I don't know if it will. but the president now can the president now can say, okay, look, we open the government. So now people are getting their pay again and you know not all the federal government employees are going to be starving who are affected by the shutdown and all this because that's what we're being told. Oh, it's, it's all falling apart. Um, there's going to be a few weeks here where the president can make the case. Again, there won't be a shutdown underway and without people being able to point to the downside of the shutdown right people not getting their pay and the air traffic controllers the tsa agents and all the rest of it without that it will become increasingly clear i think and especially when trump does a state of the union address which i think now is likely to be back on uh, assuming that this deal all goes through and everything happens as planned it is likely the case that I think the American people realize that Democrats just don't want Trump to have a barrier, not because they think it won't work or it's too expensive. They just don't want to, they don't want to cave to Trump on anything, period. This is about pure power politics, nothing to do with principles, nothing to do with Democrats thinking that a barrier fence isn't really necessary or helpful or any of the rest of it. So let's all just understand that this was a test of wills. And right now, there is reason to question whether Trump is going to come out on top of this. And, and I've, I've got to be honest with you about that. You know, Trump originally, and I haven't forgotten. Look, I got a lot of criticism for Republicans, too. And we do need to keep all this in mind. Republicans, I think, could have gone with a nuclear option and just this this whole 60 vote thing. This is garbage. OK, We've got a majority in the Senate. They should have used the majority in the Senate and said enough of this 60 vote filibuster crap. Let's just do it. That's one. Because the Democrats, the next time they have the House and the Senate, they're gonna they're gonna do it. I guarantee you, they're gonna do it. Um, the lack of action from the Republicans in the House and the Senate over the course of the year on this issue, the lack of a willingness to fight on this earlier on, in a way that has the kind of conviction that makes people think that maybe it will really happen, that I find very I find very disconcerting, and that Trump. And, you know, right before the Christmas break was basically saying, yeah, I'm going to sign this and whatever. No big deal. These are all big problems. Republicans have not covered themselves in glory on this. And I'm not going to pretend that they are now that all that all said. All right. Uh, Trump now is able to make the case without the backdrop of a shutdown with people, all, oh, all the complaints about people the, the missing mortgage payments and missing, and I'm not saying that wasn't happening, I'm just saying that it turned into who could make the most noise about how much pain there was for these federal government employees, and why is it that Democrats always win the shutdown debate, you know? Why is it that Republicans manage to get outmaneuvered by the Democrats on this? find it very frustrating. Now, what does Trump plan to do now that we've got a few weeks here before there's going to be another shutdown fight? And by the way, I think Trump will probably be willing to shut it down once more. Well, Trump told us what he plans to do. Play 13.
2: So let me be very clear. We really have no choice but to build a powerful wall or steel barrier. If we don't get a fair deal from Congress, the government will either shut down on February 15th again, or I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency. We will have great security. And I want to thank you all very much. Thank you very much. All right, he's saying, he's
1: saying he's going to declare a state of emergency. I'd also note that there is, I think it was the nonpartisan congressional research service that came out recently and said that Trump does, in fact, have options to build a wall in his authority that will, you know, that that, that he can do. Uh, he, can, he can essentially go for it. We know that a court, no matter what his authority actually says, a court's going to stop him, though. I mean, I, I can't. I can't imagine a future in which that does not happen. But at least at least there are options here. At least there is the possibility of the president managing to get some wall construction going and, and continuing on in this fight, even though uh, clearly he, he has caved right now. But it's a reminder that the will to withstand is very important in the political climate we right now. I mean the the ability to endure and to resist the resistance is something that if Republicans don't have it they're never going to they're never going to get anywhere with this stuff. They're never going to be able to overcome the intransigence of Democrats and deliver on on key promises and securing the border is certainly one of them. I mean you know just remember even if we even if we got the perfect fence tomorrow we got the border fence ever we need it. It's double layer. it's it's uh, you know, steel slats and it has the the uh, the jump plates at the top so the people or climb plates rather at the top so people can't climb with it. we had all that and it gets built and it gets built right away really fast. We still have a massive immigration, illegal immigration problem that we have to handle. We've got all the illegals inside the country. We've got visa overstays. We've got birth tourism. We've got all this stuff happening. We've got so many things to add into the mix here. This is We're just fighting over step one. The fact that Democrats won't even go there tells you all you, all you need to know. Um, and Democrats are obviously taking a victory lap here. I really hope that Trump remembers this. Because right now, it looks like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer won today. That's what it looks like. we, we got to say what it is. Now, that, that doesn't mean that they're going to win in the end. They've won the battle. Will they win the war over the wall? Not quite clear to me yet. We'll see. we also got to talk about Roger Stone and the fact that he's arrested and now indicted on, I think, seven federal counts. And, all oh, Libs are throwing a huge party today. They're all so excited about it. doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't really mean anything. I think it's you know going to end up being a whole, a whole bunch of nothing. But... They are very, very excited uh, about the prospect of getting Stone. So we'll see what, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, 888-900-2825. Lines team, they're open for this hour. 888-900-2825, 888-900-BUCK. We'll be right back.
2: In short, we do not have control over who is entering our country, where they come from who they are, why they are coming. The painful reality is that the tremendous economic and financial burdens of illegal immigration fall on the shoulders of low-income Americans, including millions of wonderful patriotic law-abiding immigrants who enrich our nation. As commander-in-chief, my highest priority is the defense of our great country. We cannot surrender operational control over the nation's borders to foreign cartels, traffickers and smugglers. President's
1: right. So start with that. We cannot do that. We cannot allow the status quo to continue at the border. But I have concerns that Democrats Somehow get their way when we win elections, they get their way when they win elections. Uh, you know, wh- what does it take? You got to have 60 senators? Well, not really. They could have gone, uh, they could have just gone nuclear and said no more than 60 senators crap. How about that idea? Which I oppose this in general. I mean, you've already got all these checks and balances. You're going to put additional checks on the checks and balances? Why? Why? I mean, the filibuster is is a tradition, like like you know, the Senate taking nap time or having juice and cookies or something. I mean, the Senate is not bound by this. Do you guys have juice and cookies in school, Mike, John? You know. Oh yeah, man. Remember that? Yeah, man. I used to have this is I used to have fig Newtons and and pretzels and French fries and you know all kinds of stuff that wasn't good for you. Fig Newtons were the bomb. Charlie in Ocean City, Maryland. What's up, Charlie?
2: thanks for taking my call buck yeah thank you i know i know the president wants to do the uh security okay and he's going to present that to the people because the democrats are not going to give him any money for that wall so they're going to get a judge and the judge is going to say well i you know stay that order if i was president trump I would come back and say, Judge, you don't have the authority. I do. I'm the president. I protect this country, period.
1: So you think that the president should say, I'm going for it, and when a judge steps in and says, no, you can't, the president's like, actually, son, I'm the commander-in-chief.
3: Exactly. That's his
1: job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder how that, this is one of these things where, you know, I've asked people before, what happens if, What happens if the president just says, no, actually, that's not how I mean, I guess you could say maybe that if the military refused the order, but it's not an unlawful order. I mean, you know, building a fence is not, you know, this isn't a, uh, a, you know, some kind of a war crime and they're building a fence. The military is going to say, no, we're not going to build the fence. I don't I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. It's
4: protecting the American people. That's his job. Not a joke. Yeah, and it is
1: it, it is a worthwhile security measure too. We've been lied to, Charlie, so much and for so long about this. Isn't it amazing? All these people that say their job is to inform us that we can be in, you know we can be citizens who know what's going on and and better uh, engage in our in our democracy. They say that of course it's a republic, but we all get that. Uh, then they turn around and say things like walls don't work, and it's just a lie. And they're just lying their faces off, but they don't care, Charlie, because they're dishonest people. I hope you're right, man. I hope the president decides to just step it up and, and go for it here. So we'll have to see. But thank you for calling in. Shields high. 888 900 2825. Lines open. It's Friday. It's freestyle, kind of. You can call in. We're, 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 we're live, my friends. Give us a ring. John in Atlanta, Georgia. You are on the Buck Sexton hey, show.
0: Bob. Hey. Podcast Dominion. So I'm always a day behind.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks for listening.
0: So anyway, actually, i got two things I wanted to ask you about. The first one is I'd like to dovetail, dovetail, yeah, off the last caller. And I'm not saying that the Trail of Tears was a good thing, but I kind of like what Andrew Jackson said when the Supreme Court said he couldn't do it. He said something to the effect of like, well, if the Supreme Court wants to send their army to stop mine, they're welcome to. You know, and if Trump wants to go, you know, we're going to just build the wall. And if these judges want to get an army together to stop ours, well, you know, they're welcome to do that if they like. But in the meantime, we're going to build the wall. And it's eight-tenths of one percent of the military budget. So you say to the generals and the Joint Chief, hey, can you guys get by on 99.2 percent of your budget?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is why the the idea that they can't afford or they shouldn't spend this money is is bizarre right i mean no no person could take this seriously
0: obama did his stimulus and you know he said shovel ready jobs and then at the end of it there were no shovel ready jobs that was 800 billion so you basically could have built i think what is it uh 160 walls for what obama stimulus that did nothing but enrich democrat um donor machines around the country
1: you know one thing that the, the democrats don't understand in this process is that without a border fence. The rest of the immigration picture can never be dealt with because it just means wave after wave of demands for amnesty. Because you're going to keep having a le- there's a caravan of ten thousand right now on their way to the southern border. We're going to keep having this problem.
0: Think about this, Buck. If the Democrats figure out a way to get rid of the electoral college and California just just California says you know what? We're going to let illegals vote. Then that's it for the Republicans forever. For
1: Yeah. Or yeah. they get it. And there vote. are, I, I'm amazed at how much Democrats embrace the no, no electoral college, but we only got about a minute, but you have one other point you wanted to make.
0: I wanted to ask you about the abortion thing. Right. And I'm, I, and I like, I like your opinion on things and I want to kind of just play devil's advocate, you know, so they make abortion legal until the ninth month and that's horrific. And I'm against that, even though, you know, I'm basically pro-choice, but are women, do you really believe women are out there waiting until, you know, the beginning of a ninth trim, a ninth month and then going, you know what, I'm just not in the mood. I think any tr- anything that happens that far along is because something horrifically bad has happened medically.
1: Well, there's, but as I said, there's no medical situation where you have to abort a baby in the third trimester. There's only induced labor, which is not an abortion. So... We've got to leave it there because we've got a break here, but I'll be back.
4: Now, once the president signs the continuing resolution, we in Congress will roll up our sleeves and try to find some agreement on border security. We don't agree on some of the specifics of border security. Democrats are firmly against the wall. But we agree on many things, such as the need for drug inspection technology, humanitarian aid, strengthening security at our ports of entry. And that bodes well for finding an eventual agreement, the fact that we have so many areas where we can agree. But today, the president will sign the bill to reopen the government along the outlines of what we have proposed.
1: You know what they really oppose? Stopping illegals from crossing the southern border. You notice they'll talk about security at our ports of entry. Okay, but there are places where the separation between Mexico and the U.S. is just either a small fence or no fence, and people cross there all the time. People cross in the hundreds, depending on the incident. Hundreds of thousands of them are crossing a year, and the Democrats just don't want to stop that. So when they say border security, how is it secure? They fundamentally do not accept that there is an an obligation of law enforcement to stop people from entering the United States because we do not want them to come into the country illegally. They just don't They don't believe in that. And those of you who haven't seen it, you can see I, I, I had to debate uh, Charlie Sykes on this a couple of days, or what was it, yesterday. And he started getting very huffy, which he should probably slow his roll a little bit on that one. And uh, I, I started to just say, and it went into the superior knowledge of the border, which is a, a good a good thing to have. You know, The state of California takes active steps to make it impossible for the Border Patrol and for Immigration and Customs Enforcement to do their job. They make it as hard as possible. When you're doing something to make something as hard as possible, you are telling people something about how you feel about that thing. And when you make it as difficult as possible for law enforcement to both prevent illegal entry and police illegal entry in the interior by illegal aliens... Somebody told me today that calling them illegal aliens is racist. And I just, I have to laugh at this. That's what the federal law says. If Congress wants to change it so they're called, you know, individuals without explicit permission of the federal government to be on U.S. soil, we'll come up with an acronym and I'll say that. But the federal code says illegal aliens. So I prefer to be correct. And people come in, they say undocumented. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is your politicized nonsense term. You know, I mean, I'll sit down and I'll have a conversation the other side about whether they're they're. I'll refer to their, their movement as pro-choice. I mean, they're pro-abortion, but if they're going to call themselves pro-choice, fine. You know, I don't sit there and say, "So you're you're a part of the baby killer movement," although that would be accurate. You know, I, you know, I, you don't you don't get to just change the language because you feel like it, make up the words because that's what you feel like doing. That's that's not an acceptable way to engage in in political debate and discourse. But, you know, Schumer says they're opposed to the they're opposed to the wall. And I guarantee you, if he got pinned down by somebody on, why are you opposing the wall? He would say, well, because of 4000 concrete. We're past the four or sorry, 2000, 4000. We're going to have a wall to China. We're past the 2000 mile solid brick wall idea or concrete wall. Um, We're past that. That's not the effective barrier method, What you really want is steel slat fencing okay that's the most effective border patrol has it they've been building more of it that's the most effective one and it works i've seen it work but you see they they return to the talking points they return to the safe harbor of propaganda as a means of trying to avoid having to deal with the substance of the issue they don't want to deal with the substance All right. Lines lit. I know I would say take calls this Friday.
4: Bill in West Virginia. What is up, my friend? Thanks for for taking my call. Hey, uh, the federal employee union members, they must be wimps in it. You know, the federal unions most probably donated funds, which is union member dues to elect the House Democrats, the union leaders and House Democrats. They've been using the members as pawns in it. The members uh, ought to be on their their union leaders in it to get the House Dems to settle and and get them paid. The members of Congress aren't losing any money.
1: Wait, so uh, you're going to have to explain this one to me again. I'm sorry, I caught I a loss unit. You're upset at the at the who and the why?
4: Well, okay. the the the, the federal union, uh, uh, the federal employees unions. Right. Their 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 leadership probably donated money to the Democrats
1: for their election. Yeah, federal employees are are effectively a subsidiary of the Democratic Party now. I mean, overwhelmingly. Right. Civilian federal employees are Democrats. I mean, you look at the giving to Hillary Clinton, and it was like over 90 percent of federal employees that gave, gave to Hillary Clinton in the last election. But go ahead.
4: But that's all they thought about their their members, the union leaders and the Democrats in Congress, to use them as pawns and hold them up on their pay these, these what, 36 days or whatever? instead of paying them they they the the members should have got on their union leaders to go after congress and say you get this thing settled if you want to get trump you get him some other way but we want to be paid i'm paying dues and that you're giving our dues to uh, campaigns for the democrats and that they owe us
1: bill i cannot match your passion on this issue so i'll just i just you had your say and i appreciate it sir Shieldside, thank you for calling in we got Another West, a lot of West Virginia love today on the show. Vicky in West Virginia. Hey, Vicky. Hi, Buck. Uh, yeah, i miss, I just miss getting to talk to
3: you. Um, I'm glad you're in Washington, but it's it's hard for us. We have something to say. I have a good reason why people would get wait till the ninth month for an abortion if they were being paid. And I I've read several different places, and I think that that uh, I don't the boy that did the uh, videos of the baby parts.
1: Yeah, the Center for Medical Progress with uh, David DeLayden, who did the undercover work of finding out that Planned Parenthood was okay. selling baby parts, in and that it was for profit, in yeah.
3: One of those, in one of those um, recorded interviews, you could hear it. The drug companies and the science companies that, de- that uh, develop supplements to sell to vitamin companies, they wanted more mature baby parts to do testing on.
1: I mean, that's such a horrific thing that it's hard for you to even think about it. But I I, I haven't heard that before. But given uh, what we I saw in those Center for Medical for Progress videos, which a court just said last week were not edited to be dishonest or disingenuous in any way. The videos were real. I saw them. I'm haunted by them to this day. It's still the most horrific thing I think I, I've ever seen on a video.
3: Yes. Yes. It's awful uh, to think about. But they, they'll pay women to do that. And then they'll get those babies right when they're not even maybe not even dead.
1: I, don't, I, I, I hope that's not true, I, I, and I, I don't mean to, to disengage on this at all. I just, I can't even, I can't even imagine, I can't fathom. But I, I mean, I would say that, uh, and thank you for calling in from West Virginia, Vicky. I appreciate it. I, I would say that the, the argument I'm hearing from some leftists about this new law in New York is, well, a very, very small percentage of abortions happen in the third trimester anyway. And to that I say, okay, if that's the argument, why make it legal? explicitly legal it already was legal if that if the life of the mother was in jeopardy in new york so this expanded beyond that if it never really happens which is really what the suggestion is why why make it legal what's the what's the point of doing that and and i think that also and i've been speaking to some other people i'm very close to about this this week we're well past the 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 Good faith part of the debate over over uh, you know where where life begins and you know, where is the science what does the science really tell us on an abortion I mean, the science tells us that a baby that's I know you're gonna say Buck that's six months old that's that's a month old that's a day old but a baby in the third trimester is a baby there's there's no there's nothing about that baby that is not a baby in the third month I mean the third trimester. Everything is formed, it is there, it is ready to go, and it could live on its own outside the womb. It is a baby. There's really no debate to be had over this. But this is, this is, the, this is the dark and, unfortunately, uh, this is the, the evil rot that has spread within the Democratic Party very, very far. And, you know, they can hate me and think I'm a weirdo as much as they want for this one, but they're just wrong on it. And I do know that there are Democrats who listen to this show, and I'm sure that there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, uh, women who listen to this show. And if just one of them listening to the show believes what I'm saying or agrees with me, all the time we've spent talking about this was worth it. And I'm hoping that there's more than just one who believes what I'm saying. All right, but back to the union thing, if I can, for a moment. That, that other caller was talking about the federal unions and the shutdown and, and the politics of all that. This was a weird, you know, producer Mike pulled this one for me and he was I said, really, Mike, this is what's happening here. So the FBI director, Christopher Ray, who does strike me as something of a uh, institutional institutionalist first instead of an America first guy. Uh, he he said this about the shutdown. Play 11. I know tons of you are feeling the anxiety and the emotional strain of this shutdown. And 100 percent of you are feeling the financial strain. Making some people stay home when they don't want to and making others show up without pay, it's mind-boggling, it's short-sighted, and it's unfair. It takes a lot to get me angry, but I'm about as angry as I've been in a long, long time. Angry as he's been in a long, long time over this, huh? Mike, I mean, I feel like if I were the FBI director, given what's happened at the FBI in the last couple of years, there'd be some other things that would make me a lot angrier. Yeah, this sort of blew me away. I mean, this was done on the FBI website today, and I'm sitting there listening to it, and I'm like, All right, this morning you have uh Roger Stone being, you know, arrested for a process crime. You have his predecessors at the FBI, what they've done to our system of justice is is mind boggling. That's what's mind boggling to me. And he's out there
2: talking about the shutdown. I was like, I can't wait to tell tell this to Buck.
1: <laughs> and and you know, as soon as he told me, I was like, Oh gosh, here we go. Yeah, man. This is you, you think there'd be bigger there'd be bigger things on his radar. Nobody thought that the FBI agents were going to get paid. Nobody thought the shutdown was going to go on forever. I mean, it was really just to make the point and to see. But unfortunately, I think you know the the polling here was all pretty consistent in that people blame the Republicans. And I do think that it was a a tactical error for Trump to say, you know, I'll take the blame for the shutdown because then what happens when you're saying, well, who's there's a difference between who is blamed for something and who really bears responsibility for the situation. As I've been saying, Republicans shouldn't shouldn't have taken the position of no, it's the Democrats fault that we're going to shut down. They should have been saying the Democrats are wrong on the border. We have an obligation. We have an obligation to protect this country and to protect its sovereignty. Democrats are trying to stop us from fulfilling that obligation. Enough is enough. This is on them. Does't matter what the process is of the shutdown and who started it first, and you know all that stuff. This is on them. And I think that it was a miss to allow it, uh, allow it to be what it was here. Uh, I, think, I think it was a, a missed opportunity to focus on trying to create a, you know, no, you're responsible, no, you're responsible. Ultimately, the most important thing here was, are we going to get a change at, at our southern border so that we could actually deal with the immigration? You cannot deal with the immigration issue if you have the continued inflow of illegal aliens into the United States by the hundreds of thousands a year. And as long as we don't have a barrier there and we don't have a border patrol that's three times the size it is right now, this is going to continue to happen as long as we have a Congress. That won't fix the asylum process. We're not even talking about interior enforcement here, which is a huge problem. You know, they're they're really the, the world the Democrats have set up is it's not that hard to get into the country. And if you get here, you're safe. That's what they want. That is what all of their policies are geared toward. And that's a problem. We should see that and understand that as a problem. They are dishonest on this issue. We will get into the uh, Roger Stone stuff in the second hour Day, I, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this before we get there, though. I just suffer from a little bit of Mueller probe fatigue at this point. And I'll talk to you more about that. But I don't know how these people in the media get, you know, how many times? go Oh, this is it. Trump's finished. This is it. Trump's finished. No, he's not finished. He's not finished. We can keep. Getting all freaked out about it, but it's it's does it does not change the uh, the reality of what's really going on here. 900 buck. If you want to get in another call or two before we get to the break, we'll try to do so. Uh, we got more here on. Oh, is the State of the Union actually going to happen or not? I thought this would mean it probably would, but now I'm here, maybe not. What does Nancy Pelosi have to say? We'll figure it out. We'll be right back.
2: go on okay. the oh. plan now. <clears throat> the the
1: State of Union is not planned now. <laughs>
5: I get that. Uh, what I'd said to the president is when the government is open, we will discuss a mutually agreeable date. And I'll look forward to doing that and welcoming the president to the House of Representatives for the State of the Union when we agree on that mutual sure.
1: show, agreeable sure. date. Okay, so it sound, the State of the Union will happen, as she says now, at a mutually agreeable date. Pelosi is so imperious. Uh, I don't know how it is the Democrats get away with her being effectively their standard bearer now. She is really there. There is nothing to be excited or or particularly enthusiastic about when it comes to Nancy Pelosi. But somehow she's the most powerful Democrat in the country. Still, it's it's kind of a remarkable thing. But speaking of power, she does understand that. Play eighteen. and our caucus,
5: uh, the beauty of it is the mix. And I always say, when people say to me, oh, you're so good at organizing a caucus. No, I don't unify our caucus. Our values unify us. And I'm sure it's the same in the Senate. And the fact is, is that our diversity is our strength. The differences of, in so many different ways, including differences of opinion. That's our strength. But our unity is our power. And that is what maybe the president underestimated.
1: Democrats, how many times have I said it? They stick together. They know how to get it done when power is on the line. You know, yes, their ideology is often contradictory and and hypocritical and all, you know, with all the stuff we talk about on the show. But when there's a tug of war, the Democrats all pull in the same direction for their side. It's Republicans that have the Romneys and the, you know, the, the Jeff Flakes and the McCain types and all the rest of it, right? They're the ones that have to deal with that. Democrats don't, for whatever reason. They they all stick together. All right, things are going to get nuts here in a second. We're going to talk about the Roger Stone thing. If we're going to talk about nuts, let's talk about John Brennan. Play 19.
0: What's the story, as you see it, that Mueller has begun
1: to tell with the public information that we have?
2: Uh, That there was an extensive effort to... um, Try to influence the outcome of the election that involved the Russians, that involved U.S. persons, uh, and that uh, may have gone to the very top of the Trump campaign. And still so no evidence. This is the, that are yet these are to the former are going CIA director. That are still
4: going to... no
1: evidence for any of the things he's talking about, folks. So we're waiting for the evidence. The theory is still out there. But, yes, they arrested Stone. That's coming up. There are some businesses that you need to know that you can trust the people you're working with because it is all about trust. And that's certainly the case with background investigations because not only do you have to trust the people you're working with, but you have to trust the people that you're hiring and that's where the background check comes in. So you want to go with Global Verification Network, okay? Global Verification is the only dual certified and veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company. They are risk mitigation experts with offices throughout the nation, but their headquarters are here in Chicago. When you call them, you're going to get somebody on the line who can address your question, your issue right away. Their customer service is the best in the industry, and they make sure that they tailor the background checks they're doing to whatever your needs are. Big company, small company, doesn't matter. Go with Global Verification Network. Call 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. Or go to mygvn.com.
4: Good morning, America. Breaking news as we come on the air. President Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, charged in the rush investigation.
5: Welcome to CBS this morning. Breaking news. The FBI arrests former Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone at the break of dawn.
3: Good morning. Breaking news. President Trump's former advisor, Roger Stone, arrested in Florida, indicted by special counsel Robert Mueller, accused of witness tampering, obstruction of justice and making false statements. So what does it mean for the investigation and the president
1: they got him! Oh man, what a huge deal that they have another series of process crimes that they can, they can uh, put on the Mueller mantle. How exciting! Oh my, media's so pumped about this one today. A few things here. First of all, Roger Stone told me more than once last summer that he's like, I'm probably gonna get indicted. So this is this is a surprise to no one this guy's been indicted. And you know, you you look at what is in this indictment and there's there's still no there there for the overall narrative, the overall story of Russia collusion, but the media wants to pretend like there is. They they want they want to be right so desperately because I mean just look at the week that they've had starting with the BuzzFeed, the, literally the last seven days, with the BuzzFeed debacle. Oh, yeah, the president's a-born perjury. It's all over for the president. He's, he's going to have to step down. He's going to get impeached and removed. Oh, it turns out the special counsel says that story's fake. And then you had the Covington debacle, where they're saying all these terrible things about uh, these Catholic school students who have received, I would, I would also add, hundreds of, Hundreds of death threats. What is wrong with people? Why are they such maniacs? But yes, now they can add to the list of those grave threats to national security. Paul Manafort and Gates and uh, Alex Van Der Zwan. And, you know, who am, I, who am I leaving out? Who else is in this crew that's, you know, just, just all these different names that you put in the mix. You say to yourself, okay. When does this actually amount to something other than people who are being turned inside out by the government with all their taxes, all their business dealings being looked at and interrogated for long periods of time? And people who tend to have a problem with truth anyway, which certainly Roger Stone does. They can get prosecuted by aggressive federal government attorneys. Right. What, What? What? Do we ever get beyond that? Do we ever get to a crime where we go, oh, oh, that's right. Russians who are never going to set foot in a U.S. courtroom who are engaged or were engaged in using Facebook to try and influence people in in advance of the uh, 2016 election. I mean, come on. Come on, folks. It's nonsense. I mean, here's how the New York Times described this today. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, revealed on Friday the most direct link yet between Trump campaigns and WikiLeaks' parallel efforts to use Democratic Party materials stolen by Russians to damage the election campaign of Hillary Clinton. In an indictment unsealed Friday, the special counsel disclosed evidence that a top campaign official in 2016 dispatched Roger J. Stone, a longtime advisor to President Trump, to get information from WikiLeaks about the thousands of hacked Democratic emails. The effort began well after it was widely reported that Russian intelligence operatives were behind the theft, which was part of Moscow's broad campaign to sabotage the 2016 presidential election. I mean, there's so much loaded stuff in it. First of all, Moscow's campaign to sabotage the election. That makes it sound like they were. Engaged in hacking, you know, voter tallies or they were they're messing with voter machine, voting machines. They, they put up some like, you know, pro-MAGA stuff on Facebook. I mean, this is, by the way, they dramatically overstate how much of an impact Facebook really has now. Um, and, and also, I think of all the media organizations I know of that can't even, can't get any traction using Facebook anymore because Facebook just wants you to pay for everything all the time. And you got to pay a lot for it to really matter. And the Russians weren't really doing them. I and they were just really messing around online to see what would stick, see what would work. But we're always told, oh, you know, the Russians, they must be some kind of propaganda geniuses because they managed to get some people to, you know, look at uh, what, Trump Trump 2016 MAGA material? It's just, this is all so overplayed and delusional. I wonder when people will get tired of it, but I realize that I already know that there's not going to be any there there at the end, so I just, I have to fight a degree of boredom with this now. For the left, it never is boring because... The more they talk about it, the more they think that that validates their obsession with it in the first place. So they have a vested interest in just bringing up all things Russia collusion related all the time. But I sit here and just say, can this please end uh, from from a not just from the perspective of as, as a radio host and a TV host and a writer and all that other stuff that I sometimes do. Uh, but for just as an American, man, we got more important stuff to talk about than this. This fundamentally does not matter the way that the left is trying to make it matter. And also, you know, if foreign influence or foreign interference is as much of a problem as they all say it is. Do we ever get an explanation for why it's OK that Hillary Clinton used a law for Hillary Clinton's campaign used a law firm to hire a foreigner, Christopher Steele, to use Russian sources to try to not just use the media to destroy Trump, but to use the media using those Russian sources Who gave disinformation to him, but also used our own intelligence community and FBI to try to monitor Trump to take him down. I mean, they leveraged foreign sources and foreign interference way more effectively than Trump did. The Hillary collusion is in is orders of magnitude more powerful than what we saw with the Russian Facebook campaign and and, and all the rest of it and and I, I've said this before I, I do think it's it's just a, worth a quick repetition here and that's if the Russian goal was really to sow discord and to cause political problems it has succeeded well beyond Ru- what uh well beyond Russia's wildest dreams because the Democrats have taken this thing and they've made a a mountain out of a molehill I mean, they've just made this into a much much bigger issue than it ever whatever should have been uh could have or should have been and that's because they just have this disbelief still that trump is a president now i mean occasionally i wake up in the morning and i feel like wow donald trump is the president this is a this is a wild world that we live in but i don't actually not believe he's the president i just have to remind myself sometimes like ah oh, that's really that's really a thing that happened he he is in fact the president of the United States it, it is something of a shock the first time I ever learned about Roger Stone was actually in a documentary a long time ago about uh, Elliot Spitzer that was when I learned who this guy was but you know Stone's been around the game for a very very long time and there were some interesting lines in the indictment um, that everyone's focusing in on but you know, if if they had the goods, if they had the goods on stone already that they knew that Trump would would was going to get nailed, they would lay it out in this indictment. I mean, I think that that's the part of this that they're just they just skip over because it's convenient for them to skip over it, right? Here's number one. Stone was an official on the u s. presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump until around august twenty fifteen and maintained regular contact with and publicly supported the Trump campaign, throughout the uh, 2016 election. So he wasn't actually working for the Trump campaign during the 2016 election. I think that's, that somehow gets like uh, lost in the sauce here. He actually wasn't working for the campaign. Um, number two, this is all what CNN's picking out here. Stone was uh, contacted by senior Trump campaign officials to inquire about future releases from WikiLeaks. Everybody was talking about the WikiLeaks releases at the time. And and there are so many ways that I want to attack this. You know, there's a fatigue that sets in with the way that they set all this stuff up. But for one, after all those WikiLeaks releases, everyone was still certain Hillary was going to win the election. All these media libs that act like, oh, gosh, the WikiLeaks releases and the they get all spun up on this. But going into the election, they were 97 percent sure Hillary was going to win. So they knew it wasn't a big deal. They knew it didn't really matter, but now in retrospect, looking to justify why Hillary lost and why Donald Trump in their minds is not really the president, this will have to work. I can't even think of a way. I mean, I look through all these lines that CNN's pulling here for, oh, what, what matters so much? I can't even think of a way that this ties to the president in a criminal fashion or in a, in a strong enough fashion that it will affect him and his 2020 prospects. It's not even really realistic for that to be the case, but the left pretends like it is. You're probably familiar with the AARP, right? Very well known organization. But what's not as well known is that the AARP is uh, into left wing politics. They fought really hard to make sure Obamacare got through and they fight to keep Obamacare in place. That's not a good idea. So, how about I tell you about an organization? for people that gives them all of the benefits of that other one but is much better i recommend amac why amac well amac advocates for seniors and wants to fix social security protect our borders and protect this country so it's the conservative alternative to aarp so stand with amac as they fight the good fight become a member today the benefits are incredible and the cause is even more amazing tell your family tell your friends Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. AMAC is better, better for you, better for America.
6: The important thing about this indictment is as you read it, and if you consider it in conjunction with the two indictments that Mueller filed against Russian entities, they have to have known for over a year, easily over a year, that there was no conspiracy between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin which was the reason that this Mm -hmm. whole investigation gets started in the first place. I mean, if you read this indictment, this is a bunch of bozos who don't even know what WikiLeaks has, Mm -hmm. much less are in cahoots with the Kremlin, which is the reason that this investigation got launched in the the first place.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's been a lot here that has still been unanswered for, as in, why do we why do we never get any explanation of the people that were pushing this investigation along, right? The people that are still saying, look, I talked to a bunch of libs about this today. They're all, oh my gosh, the collusion in Russia. And they they really think that this is happening. And I sit here and I say, guys, you got to give it up. Okay. That it never made sense. There's nothing about this that, that makes any sense when you think about it as a rational person who doesn't just absolutely hate Trump. Collusion is a bad plan. Why would anyone collude with Russia? It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And instead, we're just supposed to believe that these people, who work for institutions like the DOJ and the FBI, are in fact above reproach. And one of the interesting things. So there are a couple things today about about the stone, uh about the stone arrest that got a lot of attention. One of them is that initially, and look, it was my reaction too, and if I'm wrong on this one, maya culpa, I thought, all right, they must have tipped off because only CNN was there with a camera crew at 5 a.m. when Stone got arrested by all these people. I mean, and you watch the video. They got guys with long guns and tack vests and everything, and I think it's fascinating. People go in there and they say, oh, well, you know, that's just procedure, man. That's just Well, well it shouldn't be procedure. I mean, the guy's a, like a retiree who's just hanging out down in Florida, not bothering anybody really anymore. I mean, he barely leaves his house. He's not a flight risk. He's not a problem. And and they have to send in a SWAT team at 5 a.m. to get him. Why don't they just send a detective and say, come with me, sir? Is there anything that 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 Roger Stone was really going to make a run for it? But the liberals all of a sudden forget about the... the uh, basic rights that they proclaim to care so much about especially when it comes to the cops the only time that you'll hear libs defend everything the cops do is whatever they do that is bad for people tied to trump you know they could if we had video of Mueller's team giving electrode shocks to roger stone while he's you know tied up to a pole somewhere getting confess confess They'd say, yeah, that's totally right. Look, the FBI is great. Why do you hate the FBI so much? They're important. They keep this country safe, Ugh. you know? So only when there's some way to tie it in to, to Trump and, and his people and, and it makes them look bad or it it is part of the FBI and the DOJ's ongoing anti-Trump jihad, th- then the police tactics are all fine. But it's a bad look. I don't care what anybody says. It's a bad look. For people to think this way, that it's OK for the cops to show up and do this. And I'm never OK with this stuff. I mean, I I hated when Preet Bharara used to hold press conferences just to tell everybody about the dangerous white collar insider traders that he would lock up. You know, I had dinner with a next to a guy, not just me and him, but next to a guy who Preet Bharara sent away for insider trading on a really flimsy charge. A guy spent a, f- a couple of years in federal prison and you know, uh, you yes, asked this guy like for what? But Preet had a press conference and you know, sat across, and these guys, these guys are scummy, scummy. A lot of prosecutors are bad news. I, I don't know wh- what it's going to take for people to realize this. That doesn't mean all of them. I've got a couple of very good friends who are prosecutors too, and they're very ethical and they're good people, and they're also conservatives. But you know, they're they're. I know there are people that on on both sides of the aisle who serve in that prosecutor prosecutorial role honorably but we should be allowed to question these things without people thinking that there's some inherent uh unjust uh, unjust aspect to questioning those who are supposed to be administering justice uh by the way you know a, a little more from andy here on the day of the stone arrest here's him uh talking about the violation of the protocols that have gone on in the Mueller probe along the way play clip 10
6: given that they they violated the FBI and the Justice Department, violated all of their internal protocols in February of 2017 by going public announcing the existence of the investigation and unbelievably saying that the Trump campaign was a subject of the investigation on suspicion of being in coordination with the Kremlin, they had an obligation at some point in time to issue an interim finding that said, you know, look, We're looking at a lot of stuff here. We're looking at obstruction. We're looking at uh, false statements to investigators. We're looking at all these things. But there doesn't appear to be any evidence of conspiracy between. Why would they do that, though? Because they created the misimpression that there was. They created that misimpression so that they could
1: continue doing what they were doing. And I've always thought all along that the, the DOJ people involved in this, the FBI people involved in this, had to keep this thing going or else they would have had to answer for what they did in the early stages, bailing out Hillary and trying to find a way to take out Trump before he could be the president. And you know, if you keep the investigation going, then you're in a position to keep manufacturing the narrative and giving stuff to the media. And, you know, you're in charge of how it all looks. Once you stop the investigation or admit there's nothing to the investigation, then there's the possibility that you're going to have to answer for what you did in the early stages. Remember, DOJ was supposed to be able to wash its own laundry, but they had that uh, a review of various actions by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Department of Justice in advance of the 2016 election. Woo! That was a sexy read. Remember that one? Man, that executive summary, that got me all hot and bothered in that DOJ report. But it was it came out, what was it, June 2018, and it... You know, the, the, the summary of the of the report and, and, and the, the conclusions of the report are that there was no bias and the whole thing is bias. It's just bias, 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 bias all over the place. So we absolutely cannot trust these people to be fair minded about what their own misdeeds were. And I, and I think that that's really important. I think there's really an understanding that, you know, we should not um, we should not just Except that they somehow know more than we do about what's right and what's not when it comes to the most politicized kind of case possible. I mean, that, and that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with incredibly political material with the Hillary investigation, with the Russia collusion nonsense, all of it. There are some things that I can just say to myself, all right, look, if, if, libs, if libs want to, uh, you know, act in a certain way themselves, they're adults. If they want to be foolish, they're allowed to be foolish. If they want to believe the sky's falling, they can believe the sky's falling. If they want to get told that they're actually a great American, like Al Gore just told Max Boot. Um, that's right. Max Boot getting praise from... I got to work on my Al Gore, I know. But I'm sort of close. It's sort of like he talks like here like this right i mean that's that's a little is that's getting close all right i'll work on it but max boot getting love from al gore is just the most classic thing ever this is a guy who used to be the hardcore right-wing neo-conservative uh in in you know most rooms where he would be found and yet here we are sure enough getting love from al gore on climate change because if you want the left to accept you you yeah, really have to be in for climate change and obviously have to be pro choice. Uh and, and you also have to be in for this whole transgender situation. And I was told recently that by a friend who's a conservative who's in the a bit of the business side of conservative media and he said that, you know, they really have a problem here where the companies even if they know that the transgender stuff is you know, it it's, doesn't really make sense. The rules change all the time. Who really knows what's what? Even with all of that in place, uh, there's always this fear of of boycotts or just getting into some kind of trouble. So a lot of publications and, and a lot of people in the news business end up just staying away from the transgender issue because they don't want problems. And like, I understand that, right? Nobody really wants to deal with sponsors jumping ship or any of the stuff that ends up happening that said this one is one where i just also i can't help myself kate hudson you probably know the actress kate hudson um you might think to yourself why is this person an actress i'm now I'm not. I I know whenever I say this, I probably end up being mean. It's like when someone says, "With all due respect," and then they usually say something disrespectful. Right? That's what usually happens. Um, I'm not trying to be mean, but to me, Kate Hudson has always kind of looked like a turtle. And you know, it's just one of those things. Some people remind you of a certain creature. Kate Hudson kind of reminds me of a turtle. Doesn't do it for me. I've never understood why she's in all these movies and people. Is producer Mike around? I need. I'm going to need a ruling from producer Mike on this one. Oh yeah, I'm here, dude. Kate Hudson. I think it's weak sauce. Yeah. Um, there you was. Know, a she's point. Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's yeah. daughter, so she's born into the industry, and so you know. But it's always kind of like, why is she the leading lady? She's just not that appealing. I agree. I think there was a point in time back in the day where I looked at her and I thought she was semi-pretty. But actually, she's gotten older. Um, and it, you know, it's almost one of those things.
6: You <laughs> ever look at a person and you you sort of judge it by the people they date? Like, I've always seen her. I don't know if it's just me, but I've always seen her with guys. So I'm like, really? It's just surprising. And it just sort of made me think of her as not as hot. Does that make so, sense?
1: So, yeah, I've just, I've just never... I don't, I don't like and also i think that movie almost famous which was like it's so amazing i'm like it's like a boomer amusement park ride okay it just lets all the boomers listen to their favorite music from their youth and you know that that's the whole that, that movie sucks <laughs> i don't care what anybody says that movie that movie blows uh, ah yeah, it's good no good man where was i um blows chunks so kate hudson Um, says that she is raising her daughter. And by the way, my whole thing about just not liking her as an actress, you know, you can take that or leave it. Some of you are going to light me up in the comments for that. That's okay. Um, But she says that she's raising her daughter genderless. First of all, I guess she should probably say she's raising her, you know, gender neutral child genderless, but I digress. Um, she's raising her child genderless because she's unsure what gender she'll identify as in the future. I, how is this not child abuse? You know, th- this this to me goes so far in in the realm of just put setting your child up for failure and setting your child up for all kinds of therapy and issues and just lots of self-worth and self-doubt and all these things. You know, when did anybody ever come up with the idea that a genderless approach was going to be a good thing in case she doesn't identify with her gender in the future? And just maybe if gender identity is this thing that needs to be embraced as a spectrum and not a binary reality, maybe then it's clear that this is really socially imposed meaning that the way that somebody is going to be reared has an effect on their sense of their gender identity well if that's the case then we just need to work more on how we're raising and rearing people so that they're clear about their gender it's so so strange here we still don't know she says what she's going to identify as I will say that right now she's incredibly feminine in her energy, her sounds, and her way. It's very different from the boys, and it's really fun actually to watch the kids buy clothes. Um, with the boys, it was just like onesies. Actually, I did pretty good with the boys, but with her, it's a whole other ball game. There's some stuff that I like. I can't do that to her because it's so over the top. I don't even know. I don't even know what she's talking about here. I mean, look, a lot of you have kids. I don't have kids, so you're all going to be much better experts on on how to how to raise a kid in 10 years um but you know that was kind of a play on how to lose a date in 10 days or whatever it's called what what's her how to lose a guy in 10 days lose a date lose a guy uh but this cele- this celebrity fashion right now of gender identity and and all this stuff it's going to have real consequences and unfortunately the people that are going to suffer those consequences in some cases like this one have no say in the matter, and I just feel like it is child abuse.
3: Do you think that Lanny Davis has a legitimate cause of fear of what might happen to himself in prison or his family, his father-in-law, others related to him?
0: Yes, and this is a fear, Andrea, I've worked with uh, for years as a prosecutor. So the subjects may be different. We may be talking about the president of the United States, but this is how gangs conduct themselves. This is how MS-13, the president's adversary, uh, conducts himself. And what they do is they try and intimidate people who have left the gang by threatening their family, by telling them if they cooperate, harm will come to them.
1: There we have Democrat Eric Swalwell. Who is a smarmy fellow? Perhaps the reincarnation of Smarmy Smurf. Some of you remember that Smarmy Smurf. Uh, you have Eric Swowell, who is saying, referring to MS13. Uh, that is a a gang rooted in violence, rape, and uh, and Satanism. Um, I think we we did our whole. Right? Didn't I didn't I go into a whole long discourse once about the the roots of ms thirteen I always found it uh, fascinating. That the more you looked into ms thirteen, the more you find out that they're they're a group that does in fact have real uh, origins that are based in 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 essentially devil worship. but anyway, But he refers to MS-13, this horrible gang that engages in terrible violence across the country, especially uh, horrific violence, uh, sexual violence against women, as uh, the president's adversary. And I would like, see, I'm a good guy. I'm a fair-minded individual. And so I would like to give uh, Swalwell the benefit of the doubt here and assume that he too believes, he too believes is of the mind that MS-13 is his adversary. But increasingly, I find the hardest question, and it came up again today on the Rising panel on Hill TV, the hardest question I pose to Democrats is why, and even some Republicans, why is illegal immigration bad? Ask a Democrat that. Ask a Democrat why they... Because they'll say yes, but then when you try to push them, well, give me give me your explanation as, as to what the reasons are, right? Because let's just add it all up. Uh, illegal immigrants do the jobs Americans won't do. They say that all the time. Illegal immigrants are less likely to commit crimes in America, although I don't believe that. I think that's a lie, and I think that they always conflate the numbers to make it more confusing. But they say that. So illegal immigrants do the jobs we won't do, are less likely to commit crime, and You know, we're a nation of immigrants, so they should really be treated with a a special deference in our society. I'm talking about illegal immigrants now. So where's the downside? You know, where's the downside? If you are here because your parents brought you here, you're covered under DACA, you're supposed to stay. If you're here because you are the parents of somebody who snuck a kid into the country, that's DAPA, Democrats want you to stay. If you've been in the country for you know a few years democrats will say that you are a part of those communities and the sanctuary cities that are harboring you from immigrations and customs enforcement are clearly set up to make sure that you can stay so who's not supposed to stay you know we're going to send send the you know the, whoever is a gang bangers and you know some rapists and murderers that come across our radar who are illegal aliens they don't get to stay okay but that's a pretty small subset, isn't it? By the liberals' own estimation of how many people are committing crimes who are illegal immigrants in the country. I don't think that you can get liberals this you know in this day and age to really explain why illegal immigration is bad. They keep saying we need to make a system that works. You know, it's all these platitudes. Well, does a system that works entail a system that means anyone can come and stay? A a system that means anybody is in a position where uh, they're allowed to just pick when they can come, when they're going to be in the United States and when they're not. I I don't know, because we never really get to that part of the discussion. It's just a lot of talk about amnesty and and then people um, doing a lot of virtue signaling around it. But, you know, I've i got another thing that this is I got a bone to pick here. And it ties into the wall, but also some other stuff. CNN, I'm sure, gleefully reporting on this one. In an apparent shot at Trump, Pope says, builders of walls, so fear and divide. This is from Pope Francis, who is not, not doing a lot of good for Catholics who really believe in the doctrine. I can tell you that right now. Pope Francis is really into taking uh, taking a lot of cues from the, socialist hard left, which I would note that the socialist left is, in so many points in history, a, a real enemy of of the Catholic Church. I think it's interesting that the church now has made common cause with the socialist left more and more in this country. It depends on which country we're talking about. Pope Francis uh, told thousands of Catholics in Panama gathered for World Youth Day that, quote, we know that the father of lies, the devil, Prefers a community divided and bickering. This is the criteria to divide people: the builders of bridges and the builders of walls. Those builders of walls so fear and look to divide people. What do you want to be? The crowd replied, "Builders of bridges." And Francis replied, "You learned that well." So, I would be uh, I would be more okay with that if Francis could then explain to me how. How do we deal with people that then come to this country and have an expectation that uh, the taxpayer is supposed to support them? Uh, isn't that isn't that theft? I mean, we have laws, right? Render unto Caesar. What what happened to all that? But, you know, you can even push, push that aside for a moment. I mean, the, the, the church, the church having a, a view on on immigration is, is kind of like asking the church, how big should my military be? I, I'm not sure that they're. Never mind an authority on it. I'm not sure that their opinion really should matter all that much. But there is an area where their opinion should very much matter, and that is on the, the atrocity that occurred earlier this week, the legislative atrocity that will lead to real-life atrocities, where you have the New York State Assembly cheering because now you can have an abortion in New York State uh, anytime for any reason, although it's nine months of pregnancy. By the way, that one of the lies. There's a lot of lies around abortion. One of them that I've seen bandied around is that uh, that there needed to be this this abortion to save the life of a mother as a medical procedure. Uh, that's actually never. That's never the case. There is no such. There is no such medical condition where an abortion is necessary to save the life of the mother. Uh, there is induced labor in the third trimester where abortion. I'm sorry. Where induced labor can be necessary but abortion is not in fact a necessary procedure in the third trimester ever meaning that there's no you you don't, you don't have to end the life of the baby even though people want to pretend like you do you could actually have the baby then and hopefully it's able to be kept alive if it's too premature and and then perhaps if the mother wants to give it up for adoption which i think is always an honorable choice she can do so but the pope Doesn't seem to have much to say about that. I got to tell you, the the Pope is not not exactly uh, inspiring confidence in those of us who think that the church is supposed to have guidance to offer its flock on these issues. And not much better in New York, the uh, Archbishop, the Cardinal of New York, Timothy Dolan, Put out a statement here. I will not discuss any individual. Anything that follows is a statement of some general principles and should not be considered a statement on any specific person. This is in regards to excommunication of officials supporting that abortion bill. Timothy Dolenz, uh wrote, First, excommunication should not be used as a weapon. Too often, I fear, those who call for someone's excommunication do so out of, out, uh, out of anger or frustration. Second, notable canon lawyers have said under canon law Excommunication is not an appropriate response to a politician who supports for or votes for legislation advancing abortion. Well, let me just say that if that is the case, then canon lawyers don't don't really have much of a role in the world today. And that is a pretty, pretty big disappointment. But that's the truth. Um, If if you should not be excommunicated for being Andrew Cuomo, who stands up and cheers for passing a bill that just it is legalizing murder, that is what it is doing. What what are you going to excommunicate, excommunicate somebody for? You can only, only if you're a mass murderer yourself. It's crazy. But the Pope, you know, will weigh in. The Pope will, will do a little virtue signaling and it's papal virtue signaling over walls and fences and borders. Not a lot of words from the Pope about the fact that New York State now basically says kill a baby anytime you want for any reason you want. I think that I think the church should focus a little more on some of what matters. All right. I get frustrated on this one. Hour three is coming up.
2: I've been watching our opponents, our future opponents, talking about 70%. Number one, they can't do it for 70%. It's got to be probably twice that number. But maybe more importantly, what happens is you really have to study and take a look at what's happened to Venezuela. It is a very, very sad situation. That's a big, beautiful area and by far the richest. And now it's uh, one of the poorest places in the world. That's what socialism gets you when they want to raise your taxes to 70 percent.
1: He makes a fair point here, friends, about what socialism can get you, as we see in Venezuela. Now, I want to prepare you, because if you're going to argue the point about high taxes and socialism to your lib colleagues or friends, they are no doubt going to toss back at you, oh, Really? Or you know, what about what about Denmark? What about Norway? And and if you do what I do, which is say, well, it's not—they're not really socialist states. Those aren't really socialist states. Um, that's that's an important place you can take the arguments. A little more nuanced. But Denmark, uh, in particular, uh, Sweden, Norway—they have in many ways more business-friendly regulations than we do. Believe it or not, as as crazy. And I know that sounds crazy, uh, but as crazy as it may sound, it's, it's true. They just have very high taxes across the board for everyone, and relatively efficient provision of government services. And they also have healthier people. I, you know, we're, we're never. I know Americans. We like our cheeseburger in our big four by four. You know, with a MAGA hat on and doing our thing because we love America because we're Americans. But. Remember, the cheeseburger bun might have to be gluten-free, but I'm I'm there with you on all the rest of it. Uh, The truth is that Europeans are, by and large, uh, you see what I did there, healthier than we are, um, and that's just a function of, I think, diet and lifestyle. Uh, So that affects the health care outcomes, because people always say, oh, well, look at how good the health outcomes in Sweden are, and I say, well, yeah, but... You know, they they tend to be um, have a much lower incidence of obesity and type two diabetes and some of the other major continuing health challenges that suck up a lot of the budget. But anyway, you know, you, you need to point out whatever people bring up. Oh, what about those European states? Another critical component of or, or necessary component of a country being truly socialist is that the country has to be uh, the, the government has to be able to control the means of production. I mean, if you were to look up, you know, the, the classical definition of, of socialism is not just a country with a big welfare state, because you know we have a very large, we have about a trillion dollar welfare state. Um, here you go. Socialism is a political and economic theory. This is just off a of dictionary.com, which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. So every aspect of the economic system is essentially held in a common trust by the people, whatever that means, um, and can be therefore dictated or regulated by the regime in charge of implementing this socialist vision. Now, this is just contrary to basic human nature. People work harder when they benefit from that work. People take risks when they will benefit if those risks pay off. Uh, We we do not, we are not day in and day out, biologically and neurologically geared toward going all out for the community. You know, there are some exceptions to this, obviously military service to your country. And, you know, there there are places where people go above and beyond. But for the most part, we all kind of just focus on our own stuff and want to take care of ourselves. And that's a good thing because the more we wanna take care of ourselves, the less we expect the state to take care of us because the only way the state can take care of some of us is by forcing the rest of us to give more than we want to, to be more uh, more involved in, in state enterprises than, than we would like to be, for example. And, and I just bring this up because of all the, you got a couple of threads this week about uh, socialism and, and for one, Democrats now, by a really large margin, are favorable towards socialism or rather a very large uh, margin of Democrat, or a large contingent, I should say, of Democrats are very favorable towards socialism. This is a this is a big change. You know, in the early stage of Obama's presidency, if you ever said that Obama had some socialist had some socialist tendencies. If you said that, you know, Obama had socialist tendencies, you you were accused of uh, racism, actually, or you were accused of at least slandering the great saintly genius Barack Obama. Uh, now Democrats are pretty open about it. And when you're talking about a 70 percent tax rate in any context, I think people are going to start to say, well, that that feels pretty close to what we would expect if we were living in a large welfare, European style welfare state um so that's that's a conversation that's going to get louder and louder i think going forward Uh, elizabeth warren um has talked about her wealth tax proposal a bit more since we brought it up yesterday here's what she says play six
5: the way that this is written is to say first of all going to tax all your assets wherever located around the globe so if you were planning to move them to switzerland or some island doesn't make any difference. They are all going to be taxed. The second part of it is we're going to build right into the uh, administration of this tax that it has a very high rate of monitoring, of auditing the rich people on the ultra-millionaire tax. This one isn't going to have a bunch of exceptions. This one says all your assets wherever located, and we're going to keep counting. And you're going to have to pay. I want to underline this part. It's to use that money to build opportunity for the rest of America.
1: What the heck does that mean? To use the money that they are seizing under threat of force. And never forget that that's what taxation is. Taxation is, give me your money or I will take your freedom away and put you in prison. But she's saying that she wants to use that money to build opportunity for other people. That's such a such a wide open oh it means whatever I say it means thing, isn't it? You know oh yes it means that you know we're gonna spend this money on on schools or we're gonna spend this money on uh, on health care or you know maybe we're just gonna spend this money on green energy projects, right? I mean they'll come up with whatever rationale they want whenever they want for the money that they take from you and that they spend. But I got to tell you, that Elizabeth Warren version of of what we're talking about, that, that starts to sound pretty scary, doesn't it? You know, you know, wherever your money is around the world, we will just tax it and tax it. And it's like, whoa, you're going to come after people all over the place, right? First of all, you have to, under law right now, you have to note if you have overseas accounts. But what she's saying is, well, you can't even just You can't even just have an overseas bank account because your bank account's going to get taken into assessments when we tax you. Keep in mind, the U.S. is one of very few countries already that has extraterritorial taxation, which is a fancy way of saying, Uncle Sam will grab you wherever you are around the world, flip you upside down, turn your pockets out and say, gimme, gimme, gimme. Uncle Sam just sticks his dirty little paws right in there and takes your money. Doesn't matter where you are. Uh, there's some exceptions you know, military uh, deployed military personnel who are a lot of you listening know better than me. I forget what it is now, but there's I think you, you have a, there's a tax breaks there, a tax break there. But Warren is talking about a full on financial proctology exam here. I mean, it's going to be every year you got a oh, I know it's Friday uh, every year. You're going to have to have the government know everything you got and they're just going to take it from you. They're going to take it from you. And this will be, and some of you or I know have been writing me emails and things pointing this out. Look, I know that this is going to be abused. And keep in mind that the, I understand how the liberal mind works. They start by saying, oh, we're just going to have this tax for people that have more than $10 million in assets. Well, when they realize that that's not enough money for the things that they say they want to do, they've already established, though, the regulatory infrastructure and, and established a kind of precedent where then they'll just say, oh, you know, it's over a million dollars in assets. And you say, well, hold on a second. If you if it's over a million dollars in assets, now you get a lot of people who've got a, you know, a half million dollar home, maybe or something close to that. And then they you add on top of it, you know, your 401k. And, you know, it, it, all of a sudden, you know, getting to a million dollars in total assets, you're not rich. I mean, I'm not saying you're not well off, but you're not a rich person. You know, so the, this is also why people always worry about switching to a value added tax right? a VAT tax in this country because they say, oh, it'll just be, you know, 10 percent or something on certain goods. Well, then it'll be 20 percent on a lot of goods. Right. There, there's always you don't want to give the government easier access to mechanisms to take our money. But Elizabeth Warren clearly does. But it all comes down to envy and class warfare, which, as I've been saying to you, are very, very popular things on the left. These are very popular concepts. People like the soak the rich rhetoric. They like the Occupy Wall Street mentality of, you know, the one percent is the reason that we have so many of these problems. And, you know, I always said life isn't fair. I mean, you look at some of the people that run this country and I I don't just mean the government, a lot of people that run everything. They run, name a profession, and they're at the top of it. A lot of them are people that inherited money. Not all of them, not a majority of them, but there's a lot of that. Is that fair? Well, no. I mean, it's not that the cream always rises. Some people start off with a big bucket of cream. Um, But it's also the reality that we live with because life isn't fair. And it doesn't really better any of our lives to look around and say, well, some people have had it really easy because, you know, you never know. One day... They just show up at your door when you're in your silk pajamas and your smoking jacket and your loafers, and they say, Mr. Stone, you're coming with us. Uh, And they say it with a dozen guys who have, uh, you know, submachine guns on them. So, you know, there's, you never know what's going to happen in this crazy world we live in, but the wealth tax is, I think, increasingly something that you're going to hear, you're going to hear about, and people are going to say, huh, this is unworkable, but the left as a means of differentiating... One self in this crazy left wing Democratic Party right now. I think it's going to resonate. Do you ever think? Look, the realistic end game is that Republicans get yes. two thirds of what they want, and Democrats have to settle for the shorter straw. Is, is that? Is that? I mean, how the balance of power works.
5: Well, let's talk about the balance of power. There are two co-equal branches of government: the President of the United States and the Congress. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, that is the wrong answer on this uh, edition of Do You Know Anything About the Government? And apparently the answer sitting Senator Elizabeth Warren is no. No, you do not. You do not know the answer because there are three, it turns out, co-equal branches of government, right? The judiciary, the legislature, and the executive. So... Isn't that cute? Isn't that special that she she actually kind of reminds me of Dana Carvey as the church lady a little bit? Some of you see it. You're 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 shaking your head a little no but a little yes. You are saying no but yes at the same time. You are shy but willing. It's Peppy LePew, calm down, Oh
2: no, what did he say?
1: Uh she doesn't apparently know what the branches of, of government are, which is just a fun thing. I know she probably misspoke or whatever, but come on, it's Elizabeth Warren. I got to give her a hard time sometimes. You also saw, though, while this, this talk of socialism is going on, and I, and I guess this is, this is to be expected at some level, right? There is to be some expectation that this would happen. But you got Libs jumping into the fray to defend socialism despite what's going on in venezuela and more than that because venezuela is a social justice really that's it's more that it's a social justice socialist state than anything else right it's not just about an economic system in venezuela there's also a lot of you know anti-american anti-imperialism anti-oppression rhetoric uh, rhetoric about racism and then you know norte americanos and all the stuff that we've done and you know there, there's a lot of um, of that that also undergirds what we've seen in in Venezuela and I think I've I've discussed on the show in the past that price controls are one of the most pernicious policies they put in place in Venezuela in terms of the economic crisis because they would just say well you know the greedy the greedy um, product uh you know the greedy producers of different products in venezuela need to charge less well guess what happens when you do that they can't make money so then then what do they do they stop making the product because they don't want to lose money and then what happens people don't have product right no no bread on the shelves that is what happened in venezuela it's not hard to foresee but when you're running around saying that everybody who's producing stuff is greedy and that's why things are expensive um you get people all whipped up and they think that. But Ilhan Omar, who is a, a favorite congresswoman of the left, uh, she is an um, African-American Muslim female, so you know, there's a lot of, lot of intersectional points being added to her, to her score sheet. Uh, she tweeted out that a U.S.-backed coup in Venezuela is not a solution to the dire uh, issues they face Trump's efforts to install a far right opposition will only incite violence and further destabilize the region. We must support Mexico, Uruguay, and the Vatican's efforts to facilitate a peaceful dialogue. Um, first of all, Guido is uh, or Guido is not. I, I always that's a name that I've I said it wrong a couple times to start, and now I, yeah, I think it's Guido, so I think I'm right on that. But. He's not far right. And for her to say that just is there's just an ignorance that's at the center of him. This is the guy who's the speaker of the House, essentially the equivalent of it, the speaker of the legislature there. And, you know, the fact that Libs in their frenzy to defend socialism and in their efforts to um, pretend that somehow there's no that there's this isn't a case study in socialism's failures. Of course it's a case study of in socialism's failures. This place has a giant ATM machine underground with its oil money and they still can't pay their bills, right? So we understand that this is a little bit of a sensitive topic. At a time when there's a rise in socialism in America, you have the collapse in our own hemisphere of what was considered a model socialist and social justice-based state. But... For anyone to make excuses for, or I know what they would say here is, oh, they're not making excuses, Buck. They're saying just just leave it, leave it to the Venezuelans. We're not, we're allowed to recognize whoever we want. Our government can say we recognize this as the legitimate government. And people say, oh, we shouldn't do that either. So really, should we have legitimized the Taliban in the 90s by saying they were the legitimate government of Afghanistan? They were running the place. Should we have had relations with the Taliban all throughout the 90s? I mean, I'm sure some libs would say yes, but... Uh, this just shows you that owning Trump and the MAGA hat wearers is more important to the left, the increasingly radical left in this country, than even standing in solidarity rhetorically and diplomatically. No one's talking about military or anything. Just standing in solidarity with the oppressed and despoiled people of Venezuela who are turning out in the hundreds of thousands in the streets to get rid of this Maduro thug imbecile. Uh, but Ilhan Omar of the United States Congress, new congresswoman, you know, she she says we're backing a, a coup. It's a U.S. back coup because she's not very knowledgeable about anything. The show ain't over yet, folks.
0: Keeping it real. It's time for Roll call.
1: Since it's Friday, I figure we do a little double roll call. Why not before we kick off the weekend? I get to sort of lean in and read off all the good stuff. Oh, I forgot to post a photo of adorable Taloo Tallul- Tallulah wearing. I can't. I can't even describe how cute the outfit is. My mom posted this one up in New York. I'll have to share because when it's cold in NYC, you gotta dress your Frenchie up like a little a little pup. Uh, fashion model. You know, you got to get them all sorts of geared up with the fanciest threads. All right. Chris writes, Buck, great show as usual. Chris, great assessment of radio as usual. I just have one gripe. Your audio clips are getting too long. Oh, no. If I wanted to hear those nuts, I'd watch them on the news. I have to fight to not turn the radio off when they drone on and on. I tune in for the dulcet tones of Buck, not the whack jobs. Chris, Duly noted, your critique offered in good faith will be factored into our editorial line here going forward on the show. And occasionally what ends up happening is I throw a clip in in a break, just so you understand. If you want a little behind the scenes here, uh, producer Mike and and DJ John or DJ Brandon, I'll throw something to them and we we have very quick turnaround on it. And so I'll say, oh man, I really want to get just a part of this clip, but I don't have time to cut it because I'll give it to them right beforehand. So that... That sometimes factors in. Other times, I just like to hear how wacky the other side is before I dole out the buck slaps. But I I agree. I I usually try to keep it at least to uh, under a minute. So, you know, you're not going to have to sit there and hear too much nonsense. Unless it's a back and forth debate clip that I'm playing you. Then I feel like you need to hear the full context on both sides of it. But Chris, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And uh, duly noted. Rachel writes, hey, Buck, this government shutdown is a great thing. I understand the trials and tribulations of being without a paycheck, but that was the drive to go find something else. These government workers take a government job knowing the risks of a furlough. Maybe the shutdown will encourage these people to move to the private sector, a great way to decrease government's size permanently. You know, I'll tell you something, Rachel. When I was down at the border in uh, San Diego, Tihu- Tijuana uh, last week, or was it the week before now? I can't even keep track. There's a uh, a border crossing that's private, privately run, private sector. It's a foot crossing to the main uh, land crossing of or, or near, rather, the main port of entry. Uh, that's uh, that's right there on the Tijuana San Diego border. So there's also a foot crossing where you can go and you just show your stuff and you walk back and forth. So um, you know, private sector can do things that. The government does right now that is that is for sure i know people think oh no what will we do without the government doing these things for us we would we would find a way it it would in fact be okay it's not something that we have to really lose too much sleep over in my humble opinion uh, which whenever whenever someone says that by the way isn't it funny how their opinion is never humble oh man i was trying to remember what the because somebody got me on the solipsism mistake, Uh, but I had another thing that I wanted to mention that I have been saying the wrong thing for so long, and then I found out recently that it was, that I was saying it the wrong, oh, I had one of those, you know, one of those ones that you've been saying a phrase all this time, and you think you know what it is, and then you realize, wait, that's not what it is. Or maybe it was a song lyric. That happened, I think, too recently. All right, Paul. Buck, I can't believe you haven't mentioned Dr. Gorka calling Jim Acosta a blank head in the White House briefing room. Did I just miss it? We should all take a cue from the doctor and start calling him Abelio. I bet he'd hate that. Shields high. I didn't know that Dr. G did. Did Dr. G really, did he do that? I was unaware that he did that. So I will have to look that one up. I, I didn't even know that was a thing that happened. Uh, Dr. G, I will tell you, other than having the most fantastic accent, it's perfect for radio. Uh, you know, other than that, he's also a surprisingly large man, and and has and has giant hands. So it's funny because you know he sometimes he has to argue with these little kind of nerdy media matters types, and I'm like, you you don't make Dr. G angry. You wouldn't like Dr. G when he's angry. He's a big dude. Surprise. He doesn't look that big on TV. I'm telling you in person. He's not like O'Reilly tall. I mean, O'Reilly was like six foot ten or something. O'Reilly was huge. Uh, but he's definitely a, uh, a, a large, larger fellow. Um, you know, we have like a, a Hulk versus the thing wrestling match. Dr. G and Dan Bongino. That I'm just, you know, I'm telling you it would be a scrap. It would be a scrap for the ages. Thomas writes, hey, Buck, love the show. A quick question regarding the Covington High School debacle and the threats of violence against these boys and their families. Doesn't the responsibility for these threats fall at least as much on the popular media as on Nathan Phillips? Thank you so much for what you do. Thomas, original Saturday squad, OSS, which means, Thomas, you have been hanging out with me now for, I think it'll be. I need Stoats or one of the one of the OG OSS to tell me what the when the show actually started, because they always remember this stuff better. They they remember the team buck anniversaries better than I do. I think uh March or February of 2012 or 13. Maybe thir maybe 13. So we've been now going on six years on the air, I think, on radio. That sounds right. I think it's been six years. On air During the week, not because the, the Saturday show, I think, started in 2012. Anyway, you've been with me for a while, Thomas. So thank you very much for that. Um, and oh, sorry. Let me answer your question. Buck, stop all of your solipsism. Um, a quick question regarding coming to high school. Yeah, I, I, of course, the media bears a lot of the of the responsibility for just just fanning the flames of the entire debacle. So, you know, I, I think that's self-evident. They they fell down on this one pretty badly. A lot of people are, are doing a little victory dance today because it looks like maybe CNN didn't get tipped off about the FBI raid on, on uh, I keep wanting to say Manafort. Uh, pardon me, it's, it, I got I got Friday Brain going on there for a second. The other guy, Roger Stone, who once told me, as an aside, that you should always wear a belt with a suit no matter what the suit is or how well tailored it is. And I'm just telling you that I've heard variations on this. Uh, I've heard different opinions on it. Some people say, if the suit is properly tailored, you don't need to wear a belt. Well, others say, of course you have to wear a belt. You're not a savage. He's in the latter category. Um, although I don't think he's going to be wearing as many suits. Well, no, he's released on his own recognizance. He's going to be wearing a suit to court every day and he probably wears a suit all the time. Uh, so yes, uh, the media is bad. <laughs> media is, oh, but but people that thought that the FBI got tipped off, may, maybe CNN gets lucky. And did this, you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day or is right twice a day. So it, it is possible. I have to admit it's possible. CNN got lucky on this one. They maybe didn't get tipped off. Although I initially thought it had to be a tip off. But now the main thing that makes me think that because they had a guy go on TV Thursday night saying, oh, there's some weird stuff going on. We think something's happening tomorrow. But was that a cover? I'm not trying to be conspiratorial, but was that a cover? Did they already know that something was going down and therefore a guy wanted to go on air and sound like they're just putting the pieces together when they actually did just get a leak? You know, you can't, I can't know because I don't trust CNN. But just because I don't trust CNN doesn't mean that it's impossible that maybe they got this one right from a journalistic perspective. Although, who really cares also? I mean, it's like this huge scoop. It was a huge scoop for an hour or two because it showed us how appallingly over overarmed and over prepared, law enforcement was to go in after a guy that they, they shouldn't have been concerned about at all. They could have had one detective walk up and say, excuse me, Mr. Stone, can you please uh, grab your nearest smoking jacket and pipe? Come with us. We'd like to process you for an arrest. And he would have gone along with them. It would have been a problem. Robert. Hey, Buck. If Trump declares an emergency to build a wall, we know it will be challenged in court. What if a pro-Trump group challenged the emergency, but they bring it in a conservative and not the Ninth Circuit? This would be a preemptive challenge in a Trump friendly court. Would this keep the left from getting a stay? I don't think that would work, Rob, because if you know so you mean so essentially the opposite of of jurisdiction shopping, right? or, or that that's what you're looking, or, or rather, to use jurisdiction shopping, to the benefit of our side. So you say, instead of letting it just get get grabbed by the Ninth Circuit, maybe you take it to the Fifth Circuit, which is a pretty conservative one, and you let it get ruled on there. But you would need, I think the problem is you can't have a judge say what the government's doing is right and and put a stay on other people's possible stays. The judge could only rule on the government is doing something wrong and I'm going to stop them. And I don't think that a judge can preemptively stop another judge from saying it's wrong. Although, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd have to. This is where me pretending to be a lawyer on radio catches the gets the better of me. It's an interesting thought. I don't think it would work, though, Robert. Uh, that I can say. But the specifics of how it would go through the process. I don't know. We need to get Andy McCarthy on. He'll explain all the things. Quick, quick pause here, team. We come back. There's going to be the most amazing roll call session. Because we know that that means that once you're done listening to this roll call, roll call number two, the weekend is here. And once the weekend is here, then we know where the party at. And you know where the party at. Watch Fire Festival on Hulu and Netflix, both of them. Send me your thoughts, your messages on that. It's going to be amazing. You will really enjoy it. And also, if you are a millennial or younger, you should watch You. But if you're not a millennial or younger, I don't think you're really going to like it that much. Okay, stay with me.
2: Hey, Team Buck,
1: it's time for Roll Call. Team, I'm so excited that uh, Friday's here, man. I, I'm planning, I'm going to plan like a 12-hour sleep-a-thon. That's my exciting. Next, uh, Miss Molly comes back this weekend, and next weekend I think I'll be up in New York. So this weekend I'm going to be laying low and slow. That's how we, that's how we like to do it. Just, just chillax. I'm going to bust out. I've been a little good, too. I got a chocolate stash, but I've been keeping, I've stayed out of the chocolate stash all week. But now, on weekends, I get, I get to dip into it a little bit. I get to drink my whole milk and eat my chocolate. This is my weakness. You know, and I got in a little bit of a habit of like a little bit of that every night. And then you start to walk around. and you, You're like, am I waddling or am I just getting old or what's going on? But
2: He's going home to his mom. Yeah. Say hello to mommy.
1: Yep, fair, fair point. And I, uh, I'm hoping that you know, I will actually get to the gym at least twice, maybe even three times this weekend. Roar! Like a beast. And I haven't shaved the beard off yet. I know you guys can't see me. Eventually, we'll start live streaming the radio show. It's just I haven't been able to set that up because I had to move to D.C. and start a new digital network for the Hill and all, you know, yada, yada, all that stuff. But I I still, you like the beard, John? All right. Yeah, I
0: do. I saw you on uh, Tucker the other day, and I thought it looked good.
1: Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to be on Howie Kurtz's show on this Sunday, by the way, talking about Covington Kids and probably some other media stuff. Um, So, yeah, Uh, I'll get to talk to to Howie. He's great, by the way. It's a really, really good show. Uh, I think that's on at either 11 or noon on Sunday. I forget. I have to check again. But check out Media Buzz with Howie Kurtz this Sunday. Set your DVR team. I need you to watch and support. Your main man Buck is gonna be waking up, drinking coffee, and working on a Sunday. Uh, everybody's working for the Sunday. Yeah. Um, you can tell I really, I really want the weekend to start. Uh let's see. Tia writes. Buck, great show as always. A few comments. Number one, Rahim. I know Rahim is Rahim is a special character. He's good. Number two, Kudlow. I've missed hearing Larry's weekly radio show since he went to the White House, which had been a consolation when his prior TV show ended. He's so smart and so kind. Reminds me of you. Thank you, Tia. I really like Larry, too. So that's a that's a that's high. That's high praise. Toy Poodles. I inherited one. My first dog under 75 pounds. And mine is not frou-frou. You can give them a plain cut. Mine is happy being a couch potato and lap dog. Unlike the scary dachshund. Yeah, carpet sharks. Yo, be careful. They just they'll get you. Or Chasing after rabbits in the garden, she can go from zero to 60 in one second. She'll be turning 12 this February, and she's always ready to take on the big dogs if she has to. But she'd rather make friends, something to consider. Shields high. I look, I'm I have not been I love all dogs. Let me just let you know, you know, you, you can I don't care how controversial it is for me to say it. You know, this is like people like, I'm sorry, I. Just take on too much responsibility at work. Just call me a workhorse, uh, but I don't. I don't care who hears it. Um, I uh, I love all dogs, but I do have favorites within the within the canine uh, the canine realm. And I'm not. I've never really been a poodle person. I know they're supposed to be really smart and they're kind of hypoallergenic and all that stuff. I'm not really a poodle, but that doesn't mean I don't like poodles. I mean, if you offer me a poodle or the world's cutest cat, I'm taking the poodle. Now I just offended the cat. O- the cat owners in the audience. Sorry about that. I like cats too. Cats are better than lizards. If you have a pet tarantula, I don't know if this is a show for you. All right, I should just. I should just stop. I should stop digging. Um, Johan writes, "Buck, I was active duty from '74 to '79. Took civil service exams in the '70s and was told that I only got minimal points because when I was in, nothing was going on." They said the Vietnam cutoff was 1073. That was later changed when the South fell to 575. Now I was a Vietnam era vet. Never heard anyone call themselves a Vietnam Times vet. That is obviously an attempt to confuse. Johan, you are a vet from that era. And that's what I wanted to hear from some of you who have actually worn the uniform and done it. What you think about it. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take it. There we go. Glenn writes, hey, Buck, so yesterday someone asked about a Muslim conquest book. I've got a great one that I want to pick up, Sword and Scimitar by Raymond Ibrahim. Uh, I like Raymond's stuff. I've read I've read his articles. I haven't read any of his books, but that sounds like a pretty good. I can't say I've read it, but that sounds like a pretty good uh, option. So we'll check it out. Alex writes, Buck, love the show. As to Warren's wealth plan, it's a uh, tax plan. It's certainly fraught with problems. And of course, it's not an American kind of concept. And that rhetoric will play to a point. It's the creep that the electorate must be alerted to. The inevitable creep will eventually get everyone. Plus, a new tax is a new concept to be exploited, like Rahm Emanuel exploits a crisis. They'll find a way to whittle down businesses, family farms, and even individuals in some proportion. It's a new tax. Thanks for your excellence, show, Alex in Mississippi. Well, thank you, Alex. And yeah, I don't like the wealth tax. I'm just saying I think it'll become... A powerful talking point for Democrats. But even more powerful is that you have the weekend now to enjoy, my friends. Go off. Go forth. Celebrate. Have a wonderful time. Talk to you Monday. Shields high. You know what's smart? Kicking off 2019 by planning out which roles your business really needs to get to the next level by making a great hire. You know what else is smart? Making sure you can do that because you start the new year off strong by going to ZipRecruiter.com buck so you can hire the right people. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com buck. If you love this show, show your support, team. Go to ZipRecruiter.com buck. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com buck. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire.